So, you know, within a month or so of opening, I I knew that balloons were going to have to be a giant part of our business. And um, even today, it's probably about a third of our business. Hey, my name is Felix T. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to use social media to contact vendors instead of spending lots of money to go to trade shows, the most important metrics to pay attention to when running a physical retail store, and how to create an Instagram feed that drives traffic to your product pages. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Huntington from Bonjour Fet, which sells modern party supplies and gifts for the everyday host and hostess. It was started in 2014, based out of Studio City, California, and is a seven-figure business. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so the idea behind this business all started with your daughter's birthday party. So tell us about that party. Like, What did you find out during the planning process? Well, I think the um, it really kind of came to the forefront of um, what I wanted to do because um, I was living in Canada at the time. And if you've ever spent much time in Canada, um, the amount of stores and the type of stores, especially niche stores, um, don't they're not as abundant as they are in the States. Um, when it came time for my little girl's birthday, I went to... Um, a local store that had party supplies and everything was matching, like matching princess cup, matching princess plate. It was, you know, the same image barfed on 25 things. So um, I just thought that we could be a little bit more original than that and really started looking into it and found this whole other world of um, partyware that existed that I just couldn't find. Um, so that's kind of how it got started. That makes sense. So this whole other world of partyware you mentioned that that you discovered, like was it like online? Like where where did it exist that you saw out in the world that you didn't feel like you had access to it, and probably others like you did not have access to it? Well, I was really focused on not finding commercial themes. Um, I really wanted to encourage creativity. Um, you see that a lot in kids' toys. You know, they'll have you know a very um, commercial theme toy. And then you can also just get plain wooden blocks. And some people just have the kids that like to play with the bag that the wooden blocks come in. So I just thought, um, you know, having some good basics that uh, looked nice and performed well and um, were stylish, uh, I just couldn't find any. So um, I, in the beginning couldn't afford to go to a lot of trade shows and uh, research what products were out there. So instead I just followed the trade shows on Instagram and really kind of combed through who they were tagging and what the brands were that they were tagging. Um, I would look in the directory for the trade shows to see who was showing there and then research those companies one by one. It was a long process, it would have been much easier just to walk up and down the aisles of the trade shows. But um, it was a good way to start without spending much money. It just took a lot of time. I like it. that. That's certainly a lot of entrepreneurial problem solving. So rather than paying to go to these trade shows or, you know, having to take time to fly out to one, you just 
found them online, and then you found out who the vendors were at these places, and you, I'm assuming you reached out to them directly. Like, what was that conversation like to get them to essentially, you know, do business with you? You know, it was like, hey, I saw that you were you were exhibiting at New York Now. Um, I wasn't able to make the trade show, but I'd love it if you could send me a PDF of your catalog. I mean, really, it was just that on repeat. Um, so it's, you know, the information is out there. You just got to dig for it. And you were looking for this information, like for yourself, or like, did you just have the idea, like, I want to, I'm focused on actually starting a business. I don't want to try to work with these vendors at, at scale. Are you saying like, why did I, why did I look for those specific vendors? No, just more like if you, when you, at this stage, when you were reaching out to these vendors um, on social media, on, on Instagram, like, were you reaching out to them with the intention of like sourcing inventory from them? Or were you just kind of wanting to learn how can you buy this yourself to, for your own kind of party planning? Uh, exactly. In the, in the beginning, I was doing it um, to see, you know, what, if they offered wholesale, when I started in 2014, Etsy was still um, giant. And the problem I was finding with Etsy is that you would order something and it would take like four to six weeks to get because somebody was making it in their basement. Um, so it'd be really exciting finding somebody that could do something customizable um, that could be customized. Um, but sometimes it just took a really long time to get it. Um, party supplies were there were a ton of party supplies on Etsy and handmade and beautiful ones. Um, but getting a bunch of them at once was quite a challenge. So I just um, pre-purchased a bunch so that, you know, my clients could come to me and find it already made and didn't have to wait, you know, four to six mm -hmm. weeks for somebody else to make them. And you mentioned as well, I think I saw you mentioned too that that you had like a it was like a party planning like business that you started with. Like what was your kind of introduction? Or did you first look to buy the sources of inventory because you wanted to sell it on a on a store? So I actually started um in production at Warner Brothers and I think the background that I had uh you know, when you work as an assistant in the entertainment industry, you just learn how to get things done. You never say no to anything. Can't is not an option. Um, so finding things, being resourceful, um, and making making things happen is is your everyday task list. So um, when I was challenged with finding all these great products while living in Canada, which shipping was difficult to find people that would ship to you. Um, especially, you know, small mom and pop shops on Etsy. Um, I just, you know, kept, kept going at it. I just, um, really kind of, I guess, honed in on a few people that I wanted to carry their line and really just formed a relationship with them and, um, you know, started kind of hoarding products. That's, that's really how it started. I, I wanted to throw a great party for my, my daughter. And, um, I really enjoyed the process of curating everything. And so at the end of it, um, I had the knowledge of where to get everything. And so I said, let's do this for my friends and let's do this for my family and, and my neighbors. And all of a sudden I'm looking into Shopify. 
God. Okay, so talk to us about this transition then, because you went from, it sounded like almost like a service-based business where you're doing this party planning, but then also sourcing all of the material and uh, for, for the party itself, and then getting to a point where you then decided to sell the, 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 the get the party supplies directly to customers rather than, you know, potentially clients of yours. So when did this transition happen between kind of service-based business where you're doing the party planning into more of like a product-based business where you're selling the, the products itself? Well, as anyone knows that um, orders wholesales, nobody will really let you buy one of things. <laughs> so um, everything has a minimum and uh, some companies have quite large minimums. So I you know, was kind of forced to purchase a certain amount um, per vendor. And because of that, I had a lot of extras. So it was finding something to do with the extras that really kind of drove the entrepreneurship of um, of the start of this business. It was, um, you know, finding out, you know, putting together the package of, in the beginning, we started with party kits. So, you know, if you were having a mermaid themed birthday, it'd be, you know, cups and plates and napkins and everything all together in one place. Um, so that, you know, the, um, you could take the guesswork out of it. It was all done for you. I quickly realized that people liked to decide for themselves what each item was. Um, so I got out of the party box kit very quickly. In fact, the beginning, of my business, the company was called Boatfet. Um, and it literally just means party box, but I realized that nobody in the U S could ever say the word Boat. So, and it didn't, it didn't sound great. So bonjour happened because I was just trying to find out, uh, or figure out a word that, um, Americans could say and could recognize. And that's, that was the first one that popped up into my head. Nice. So, so I would have assumed too that the kits would have been the the right approach, right? Because you're doing the party planning already, which is super kind of hands on, done for you style. Now you're transitioning to selling products. Like, why wouldn't someone out there want to also buy something that's mostly you know done for you? But you know, of course, they had to piece it all together and do the majority of the planning. But everything's pieced together. So, what did you? I guess when did you learn, or what did you see that made you realize that that assumption, the hypothesis that people wanted like a party box was not the right approach? No, it was just the email questions, you know, oh, I'm having this many people, um, you know, your kits are only for 12, but I'm having 16 people and I don't want to have to buy another box just for, you know, for four other people. It was, I really like this theme, but um, want to, I have my own, you know, napkins or we're not using cups, we're using water bottles or you know, there was just always something. So it just, you know, after just the email maintenance, which um, anyone running a business knows that they would love to have less emails in their inbox. Um, I just found that offering them in, as individual items was just you know, way easier. <laughs> Right. Makes sense. Okay. So during this phase where you are sourcing inventory early on, what were the kind of first types of supplies or type of inventory that you were, you were stocking and also eventually selling on, on your own site? Like, did you have lots of SKUs at first or did you start off with just a few categories and what was your focus? So in the beginning, it was very basic. I'm um, tassel garlands were 
Um, they are these little handmade tissue uh, twisted strips. Um, those were really popular. And, um, you know, it was very, it was, it was very basic. There, there were maybe 10 themes. Um, and I just tried to curate different products within, within that fell into that category and into those categories. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty basic. Now it's a little different. Now we have almost 9,500 products, um, different SKUs. It's kind of insane. Um, so obviously it's a challenge to, uh, keep track of that, but I, I, I know every single product. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So definitely want to talk about managing the inventory in a second, but I, the one thing I picked up on was that you moved away from the box parties, but you still gave some direction to customers by having these themes and then within the themes, they can kind of pick and choose from within this kind of, uh, I guess, almost like uh, safety of, of the theme, right? Is that, is that the idea? Exactly. So within that category or that um, collection on Shopify, um, when you clicked it, there would be, you know, different options within that color palette or within that um, that genre. Makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about the 9,500 products. So you, you, you started with what? Like you started with, I'm assuming, like less than, I don't know, 20? Like what did you start with? And, and, and talk to us about like how this grew to so, it's such a large number of products. So at some point, so in 2016, um, I moved from Montreal back to LA and that was really when the uh, amount of products kind of took off. I was always limited in Canada with what I could receive and what companies would sell to me. Um, and so, uh, when my husband's job was done in Canada and we moved back to LA, I had all these products in, in my basement um, and I still have some of the storage containers that they're still in and we put them on a moving truck and, um, we brought them out to California. So I want to say we probably had like 40 bins worth and, um, and just within those themes and why did that, why do I, what was the question? Why do I now have yeah, I guess, No, I guess the, the more important question is like, how did you, how did you decide what new products add like what was your thought process when you started growing the catalog like how do you decide what to what kind of new products you should go after next well i think it's really just demand um when we moved to la and i opened the first retail store it was talking to clients you know they i'm never going to be able to compete with the amount of products that a party city has if you go there i mean it's a superstore of just uh party wear so but because of that, people um, only had that to compare us to. So they were used to, you know, 50 styles of forks. And so at, at the end of the day, I had to kind of accommodate at least, you know, 10% of that um, just because it was, you know, it was necessary to grow our business. We had to have a lot of different options. So I guess what were you hearing? Like, were people just saying like, "How come you don't have this kind of fork?" Like, what was the actual, I guess, words that are coming out their mouths that made you pay attention to to write down? Okay, they want this thing. Let me go after this next. Well, I also just think more products became available. Um, there, there has been a great increase, um, which is this is just so wonderful of eco friendly options um, and you know wooden and bamboo. 
and things like that. And so some, some companies are now, you know, adding color to the bamboo. Um, so it just, you know, it's, it was really needing to have everything in every color. Our, our store is very rainbow focused. Um, our shelves are, are color blocked. And because of that, we kind of need every single item in every color. Mm, okay, makes sense. So let's say that someone else, someone reaches out to you, or you have decided to pursue adding a new product. What's that process like? Once you decided that you want to add something new to your catalog, what is the the step by step process that you follow today to source the inventory? I usually just start with a minimum quantity, and you know, try it myself. Ask ask the girls that work in the store um, what their thought process or or what the feedback is on on those items. Um, it's, it's trial and error. I mean, it's, it's not often that something just, uh, doesn't work at all. And, um, the majority of our products are under $10. So there's very little risk in that regard to, to try something new. So if I meet somebody that's passionate about their brand, I, you know, I want to try it. Got it. Okay. So you mentioned that you asked the team that are in the stores. Now you're talking about the physical stores, the physical retail stores, which, which we haven't gotten into yet. So let's, let's get into it. So you were still doing e-commerce at, at the time. What made you decide to open a retail store? I ran out of room in my basement and uh, there was no, I, it was, I had a wall of storage bins and I, I just loved it. I couldn't, there was, there was one moment where I said, am I actually going to do this? I know nothing about retail. You know, I work in entertainment and this is crazy. <laughs> this is, this is paperware and partyware. But I think because I lived in LA and LA is a city where you can get anything, you know, it's a huge city and people have parties all the time, all year round. You know, there's very, um, it's not often that there's weather restrictions and people like to entertain a lot. And it blew my mind that I couldn't find any of this stuff in a retail store, um, anywhere close to me. So, uh, it was really searching for like, minded stores and not finding them that I said, well, I, I, I have to do this it has to happen. Mm-hmm, makes sense. Okay. So what was that first step then to, to set up a retail store? It, it's obviously a huge undertaking, much, much larger than just opening up a, a website. So talk to us about the steps that are involved or that were involved in opening your very first retail s- store. I have no shame in saying that I Googled how to do everything. I did not know. <laughs> I did not know the difference between a SKU and a barcode. Um, it was it was trial and error all the way. Um, and I think that I just, you know, I just dove in head first. And the other thing that happened was a, um, a spot on a street, you know, near my home became available. And so seeing that empty and seeing the for lease sign, and, um, you know, getting excited about what these products that are usually stuffed into bins would look like on a shelf. Um, I'm very visual, so it was, it was all I could think about. There was, there was no stopping me. Yeah. If someone out there is also 
has a you know e-commerce store, e-commerce business that's growing, and they also have this inclination that maybe I should open up a retail store. What is the the uh, the cautionary tale or advice number one advice that you would give them before they set off on this adventure? Oh my goodness! Well, I think if you knew what it would take to start a business, you would never do it because <laughs> it's way harder than than you can imagine. But um, but you know, I think. For me, what it was also was, you know, I had these customers that were taking the time to go online to pick out their tableware and their decorations for their kid's party or a baby shower or a wedding shower. And sometimes I would pack up their orders and it didn't quite all go together. Um, Or I would be like, oh, man, I wish I could have talked to that person and suggested this because this is the this is the one thing that this order uh, is missing. And and you can't really do that when someone (laughs) orders something online. Um, You don't want to say you don't want to write them like, hey, bad choice. Let me let me let me suggest something else. Um, But you kind of can do that in a store. And the fun part about it is that our clients come in and they grab things off the shelves and they lay it out on our counter and, you know, they see it all together. And that was never something that I was going to be able to offer online. I see. So it it makes that not just more, more real to your customers, but also it sounds like it makes it more real for you that you're, you're impacting, you can see the person you're impacting. You can, you can have almost more of a consultative I guess layer to to your to the business that you're doing with your with your customer because you're able to be in front of them and help them out that way. So I, I could definitely see the appeal of that. If you're in fashion, you want to see people wearing your clothes, you know. And I think if you're in parties, it's it's kind of satisfying to see and hear the stories behind, you know, why people are celebrating these events, and um, you know, they're they're coming into. Um, buy party supplies because they are celebrating somebody and there's something very special about that. They're creating memories. They're um, they're spending money on somebody that they love. You know, it's not an errand. It's not buying milk or eggs. It's it's um, it's exciting. So, so what were some of the biggest challenges or sacrifices that you had to make now that you have a retail store or you have multiple retail stores that you would not have had to face with an online only business? Oh, well, when we started, the juggling inventory um, was quite a challenge, uh, especially the first few months that we opened the retail store and I had very limited supply on the shelves um, because we were ordering, you know, six and 12 of each item. Um, if somebody purchased something online during that day and I didn't pull it from the shelf, then it was possible that somebody would come into the store and, and purchase it. And it happened many times where, you know, I would get the kaching from Shopify and I would see an online order and somebody was walking around the store with that item in their basket. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, I'm going to have to send an email and say, sorry, we're out of stock. Um, so yeah, juggling inventory was, was a big deal. And then staffing, you know, um, I am extremely passionate about what I do and, and finding people that were equally as passionate, passionate, um, is hard in the beginning. And because, uh, you know, just taking on additional overhead is so overwhelming when you get started. Um, it was a scary process, um, knowing that, 
you're already taking on rent and utilities and, you know, all these additional expenses, but, uh, people were, people were the most expensive and the most worth it. It it allowed me to, you know, be able to pick up my kid on time and not have to put a back in 15 minute sign on the, on the door. Hey, real quick. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now let's get back to the interview. So there are, I think the metrics that you look at for an online only business are, are much more straightforward. There are more kind of uh, KPIs that you focus on. When it comes to a physical store, are there different kind of metrics that you try to pay attention to that gives you a gauge of how well things are going? Um, I like to look at return customers. That's really important to me because it's built on relationships. Um, I, you know, ideally I'm celebrating somebody's baby shower. And then when they have a baby, I'm celebrating their kid's first birthday and second birthday. So, um, about one third of our clients are repeat customers. And I think the benefit that we have there is that all these people are buying our products and then going home and having a party with their friends, you know, the 20 friends. And so it only takes a few friends saying, where did you get that? Um, to then have, you know, people coming back to find you. So I think if you're wearing an outfit on the street and one person stops you, then you might've been able to tell the one person where you got your shirt, but at a party, um, you're telling a lot of people. So, so I think that word of mouth has really helped. Mm. So when it comes to word of mouth and also repeat customers, whenever I ask this question about like, how do you encourage more of that or what, what leads to more repeat business or uh, what leads to referrals? A lot of people say you have to have great products. So beyond that, what do you, what do you like to do? Or what do you think has, has a big impact on encouraging customers to come back or to, for them to refer your business to others? Um. Obviously, the products are important, um, but the products aren't going to stay the same for the same person. So they're not going to come back and and usually they're not going to buy the same product. Um, For us, it's going to be a different theme. Uh, So we like to offer a good experience. You know, we provide the inspo and and the solution. Um, A lot of our clients come in here with a Pinterest board you know, of all the ideas that they want to happen in a two hour um, span of their, their events. And it's kind of our job to uh, help them, you know, visualize and uh, purchase everything that, that makes that dream a reality. Mm. So does that mean when you come, when it comes to hiring, you have to like hire like party planning experts or like can you train that kind of stuff like how do you get a staff trained up to be consultants for your clients i would say that um because we're a modern take on a party city um you know it's it's no one's getting inspired um by the curation of uh, party city and i think the difference is when you walk into our doors um we're genuinely here to help. You know, we're here to offer an experience. We provide the inspiration and the solution. And I think that um, as soon as you've, you know, experienced that once, then it's going to be the only way you'll want to shop. 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because I think when my experience, when I walk into like a party city, the approach is like, okay, what's the cheapest thing we can buy? That <laughs> can piece yeah. this all together. But the the you're obviously trying to move away from that kind of value proposition and more focused on like, like you mentioned, cohesively planning the party. People come in with these inspiration boards from Pinterest, and you help be a, I guess a consultant basically to help them plan it all out so I think that, that that makes sense that that's what you mean by experience like layering on that kind of customer service allows you to get that repeat business and then of course the referrals as well yeah it's amazing to me how many people will come in to the store and you know walk around and say I'm not quite sure what I'm looking for I'm not quite sure what what theme I want to do for this event, and then we'll start to make suggestions. And then they'll pull out their phone and say, well, actually, here's this Pinterest board. <laughs> and I'm like, you did, you knew, you knew exactly what you wanted. <laughs> you have this, it's on your phone. Um, so then we just kind of help them, you know, find, find the right items to make that Pinterest board, you know, happen. That's funny. Uh, so, so you've now expanded that very first store that that you you've, you opened. So, what were the circumstances that allowed this to happen? What made you decide, okay, we feel good with what we have so far. Let's keep on growing this thing. Well, I think in the beginning, I was very naive to think that I wouldn't have to do balloons. Um, and balloons get big. They start out very small, but they get very big, and they take mm-hmm. a lot of <laughs> for a lot of space. Um, so, you know, within a month or so of opening, I, I knew that balloons were going to have to be a giant part of our business. And, um, even today it's probably about a third of our business and, um, balloons take up a lot of space. So that was kind of the first, uh, nudge to, to move and expand, um, was just to allow room for, for, for balloons. So I'm assuming expanding a store is probably easier than starting a, a brand new one, but I'm sure there are also potentially unique challenges that come with expansion. So talk to us about that. Like, What were some of the challenges that you faced with expanding a store, a physical store? Definitely construction. Um, in the beginning, you're just uh, using existing shelving or um, you know items that you can find uh, that weren't necessarily made for you, but you make it work. And I think as soon as you expand, you need to be deliberate about every uh, every inch of your store, especially when you are uh, paying a premium. And so construction and learning how to um, make fixtures that work for you that are great for display it's it was a huge learning curve and eventually we kind of landed on certain types of tables and bins that um, customers like to shop from that makes it easy for them and easy for us to to clean up and keep organized too because um, everything has to be organized yeah, it sounds like you get a lot of feedback from just like customers being in your store. You mentioned that you talk to the team that are working the floor at the store to understand what kind of products are resonating, what kind of products people like, and of course also about how they like to shop. So how do you make sure that you're actually kind of collecting this information rather than just you know forgetting about it or just not being conscious of these things that are happening in your store that can that you can take back and then find ways to improve that customer experience? Like, do you have like some kind of process that takes in the information that you're getting from the team, what you're seeing, and then turning into, you know, potential action items? 
Yeah, we um, we use something called Wonderlist. Have you ever heard of it, Wonderlist? Yeah, it's like a it's like a planning tool almost. Ex- exactly, and so we have that on our POS system um, up at the front, and we just have a an area where um, when somebody asks for something and we don't have it, it goes in the Wonderlist, and then we'll research it, and eventually, you know, if the same items keep coming up over and over, um, you know, we put it into make it a reality. So, you know, especially with two different stores and two different areas of town, um, when the same thing comes up, uh, you know, multiple times, we, we know it's time. Right. Okay. Let's talk about that second store then. So what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from that first store or maybe the expansion of that first store that you knew you had to figure out or nail down before opening that second store? For the second store, we really just uh, curated it uh, even more. We took all of our best sellers and, um, you know, put those front and center. Um, our our first store is double the size. And so we can have more fun and experiment and uh, provide larger quantities, which is why most of our party planner clients um in town come to our studio city store because we just have a lot here. Um, but in Palisades, we are in a development where people aren't necessarily planning a party that are walking in, but maybe they're going to a birthday party. And that kind of drove us in the direction of needing to provide gifts. So all of a sudden, instead of just being party experts, we were, you know, learning to kind of curate uh, what gifts, People were going to parties, wanted to bring, um, and th- and that that that's a huge part, especially in the fourth quarter um, gifts. Right. So now, when you are running now these two stores, one that's been expanded from the very first uh, incarnation, now the second store, and of course, e-commerce business. How do you manage the e-commerce side with the physical retail side? How do you balance between which one you should spend your time on? Well, I was extremely lucky because about a month before um, opening the second store, the locations feature uh, became a reality in Shopify. And I had been following it for probably about a year. There have been rumors that you could add a second location. Um, I was crossing my fingers every day. I I actually don't know how we would have done it. Um, if that feature hadn't become available. Um, but it, lo and behold, one day it popped up on my screen and, um, it, it is a challenge. You know, when we, when we receive merchandise, you know, we have to split it between the stores. It's very time consuming. Um, but, uh, it's necessary for us to have accurate numbers so that we know what, what to order and the quantity and how to track it. Makes sense. Okay, so now that you again you have both sides, you mentioned to us that the most successful way that you've been able to market the business online is through Instagram and specifically tagging the products to link right to the to the product page. So tell us more about that strategy. Like, how do you create content on your Instagram to to I guess in a way that shows off your products? Mm-hmm. Well, I decided early on not to showcase. Um, a lot of parties that my customers were doing or uh, parties that I planned um, because I felt like they were really personal. They were, they were people's real events and 
I felt like it wasn't my business to show show off their home or what I did in their home um, specifically. So instead, I decided to uh, do photo shoots of what it could look like. And and I understand that it's it's um, not always in a realistic setting. You know, I'm in a store early morning and have plenty of time to set it up. It's a little different than Saturday morning running around, um, you know, trying to set up a table when, you know, your kid keeps uh, eating all the candy off the uh, off the treats table. But um, but yeah, I just I think styled photo shoots were were really clutch. Um, I found a photographer that I loved who lives very close by and we just started scheduling holiday shoots. And, um, every time we get new products, we shoot them, but as you would use them at, in a party, not just a clean product shot. Mm. So you're basically like creating like inspiration albums and then having your products in there. And you're talking about tagging the products. You mean like basically the, the Instagram like e-commerce, like product feature where you can tag the products inside the photos themselves. The tag, the tag feature is fantastic. Um, whenever we do show a table setting or a um, like oh, a decoration or uh, you know a whole party setup, the ability to tag the item so that the person can just click on it and be led right to uh, the Shopify link is is so brilliant. And even in Insta Story, being able to swipe up. Uh, to purchase is um, that's really kind of been our best uh, marketing tool. Yeah. So definitely want to talk about how you use the Instagram stories in a second. So how many products do you usually put in these like photo shoots? Like what's overdoing it? What's like, how much can you, you kind of showcase in each of these, these photos that you put out? Well, we do parties, so there's never overdoing it. That word doesn't really exist. <laughs> um, the more, the merrier. So, uh, you know, I I don't limit it. I, I know that it can be confusing with tags to tag a bunch of things. So um, usually I just tag what the standouts are. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it just it cleans it up and makes it easy for people. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to hunt for products, especially – you know, when you're, you know, searching by color and a million things come up that are that color. So it just, just makes it nice and easy. Just, I want that and then click it. (laughs) Makes sense. So do you have like a, a process or a system for this? Like, is there like a content calendar or do you just find, okay, I have, I have time this morning before the store opens. Let me put this together. Like, how do you systematize this so that you are able to consistently produce uh, content for your Instagram that has these, you know, product tagging? This is, uh, there is really no system other than usually um, at least four times a week between 7 a.m. and 7.15. It's the sweet spot of when I wake up and, uh, my kids are not quite up yet. And I know that that is my moment to post. Um, so if anyone wakes up early, the post probably isn't going to happen. And, um, yeah, no, I just, I do it first thing. Um, I try to do it several times a week and it's hard. Uh, we are, because we are, sorry, um, holidays are a big part of our business. And so, uh, you know, when it's nearing a holiday, uh, we start putting out that content a good six weeks before 
hand um, to give people ideas and inspiration on on how they would decorate for that season. So when you do have the photographer come in, like do you like you try to batch create the content or like are you just creating one shoot at a time? How does that work? Yeah, we usually shoot um, one holiday at a time and if you think about it, there's there's actually a lot of holidays. Like I consider summer a holiday. <laughs> I consider, um, you know, pretty much every month is leading up to to something. September is really kind of the only time that it's a little bit, um, uh, you know, stale. But um, other than that, there's, you know, Halloween and Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then it's New Year's and it just goes on and on. So we try to do it by theme and holiday usually. Got it. So what's what's by the Instagram story? Like what's the strategy there? Like how do you decide what goes in there versus in the feed? People really like seeing Instagram stories for, you know, process pictures um, and videos. I think that um a lot of times they like seeing, you know, that my office is, you know, filled to the brim in boxes or that um, we can barely shut our van door because there's so many balloons exploding out of it. They they like seeing the good and the bad. <laughs> um, and that's and I like sharing the good and bad because it's not always a pretty picture. And sometimes, you know, as fun as it is to walk into a store and everything's, you know, done and sparkly and beautifully presented, it takes, you know, a lot of uh, moving and, uh, you know, unpackaging and pricing and all those things that uh, no one really thinks about. I think seeing people's process makes you more invested in the people. You know, it's, it's nice to know, you know, what they were doing earlier in the day and that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't always an easy finished look that, that it was maybe a little hectic before, um, the, the scene was set. Right. Yeah. It definitely helps to give them that, that, Hey, you're human on the end of this. It's not like just like kind of like a, a completely, you know, stage photo that you're putting together. Like you're showing them how you're doing. I think that that's important to, to show the process like you mentioned. So these are obviously great ways to engage and then drive the customers to your store. How do you get people to actually, you know, follow your, your profile? How did you grow your following, get people to see the content in the first place? I think it was really organic. It was, um, you know, I've never used a service or an app or anything like that. Um, so it was just doing all original content. That's what people like to see. Um, and people that were following our account knew that they were going to get original content and, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, Stay ahead of the trends and it's certainly hard to you know try to show like a level of perfection at all times uh through a pretty picture um but uh you know just just original content and responding to people's dms and responding to the comments and it, it really just has grown very organically 
were there certain types of content that seemed to work better than others to 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 get engagement? Like, because I'm looking through the feed now, that I obviously see the the themed posts that you're talking about, but there's also some where it's just like one product or maybe more like mm-hmm. lifestyle shots. Like, what kind of sh- what kind of photography do you find for anyone out there that's looking to grow their their brand, social media, their brands, Instagram, original content you mentioned, but like what what types of content? Like, what seems to work well to kind of kick things off for you? I think showing your products, um, how you would use them. That's, that's the biggest, uh, that's, that's what seems to land the most for us. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's seeing a blank product picture, uh, is not nearly as fun as seeing a product in a party setting. And so I do feel like I have a little advantage, uh, in that, you know, the products are being styled with very colorful other products. So um, color has definitely been the key to our success. Um, The images just, you know, pop out uh, in people's feed because we are, we are selling um, beautiful decorations, essentially. Makes sense. So you mentioned a couple apps previously, Wonderlist. You mentioned the Shopify locations feature. Are there any other apps that you rely on or tools that you rely on to help run the business? I'm currently loving uh, an app called Delirious Profit. Um, it really helps uh, me understand my profit margins and how many products I have. And what I like about it is it automatically defaults everything to 50 per, 50%. So in Shopify right now, you have an option to put in uh, a cost price. When I started with Shopify, that was not an option. Um, so a lot of our older products, um, you know, I relied on this app to just go ahead and put it at 50%. And it wasn't always 50%, but at least we were starting off at a, at a percentage that was um, close to, close to what it was. So Delirious Profit, I really love, um, our, our store schedules and time off requests and availability and all that stuff. We use a company called When I Work and it's really great. And the girls can, um, clock in and clock out that way. And I get sent a chart and it makes it super easy to see, you know, oh, that's, you know, that person is continuously late or that person. Sure. So basically helps you, you manage the, the scheduling sounds like for your employees. When I work is great for scheduling because it's um, especially with two stores and it really makes it easy to kind of make sure that you're, you're covered. And then the last one that I really like is a company called just works, which does payroll processing and has uh, HR benefits, which I really they made it so much easier. <laughs> awesome. So bonjourfet.com is website, B-O-N-J-O-U-R-F-E-T-E.com. So you mentioned before that the holiday shopping season, the holiday season is super important for you guys. So what are you doing as you, as you edge up against the holiday shopping season to prepare? So this year we're actually doing an only Christmas pop-up. Um, we're really excited about it. Uh, it's, you know, you'll find all the Christmas items in one place uh, with nothing else. So just all Christmas. So we're, we, we could not be more thrilled um, to launch that. And that opens on November 1st. Awesome. Very excited. So thank you again so much for your time, Rachel. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. Shopify.